Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Today I want to talk to you about coming into new things because it's really been a season of God cutting off the old and God bringing us into new things, right? And uh, I, I definitely believe that's what's happening. And some of these old things, I believe, have not been profitable, so to speak, anymore. Sometimes God does something and then he moves on. If y'all remember, I, I, I always think of the jawbone that um, um, Samson used. Uh, you know, he killed like a thousand men with that jawbone, but then he threw the jawbone away and he went on to new things because God wasn't in the jawbone anymore. And God wasn't, he, did, he didn't put the jawbone on the mantle. He didn't use that jawbone the next time he went out to fight. He knew that it had, had, uh, had its season. But anyway, there are times when God cuts away the old. And the reason why he does that is because he wants us to stay connected with him, not just the system. God does bring systems and we, we flow in those. But then he will cut that away. He wants us to look to him. And what he wants to do is produce more fruit. Every time there's a change, there's more fruit that comes after the change. During the change, it looks like everything's drying up. Now, we can see this example um, in our lives individually. What does God say he does to it for us individually? He says he prunes the parts of our lives that are not producing fruit, Right? And when that happens, we might feel pain, and it's not actually a fruit-producing season when he does that normally, and it might be painful, it might look like we're barren, we might go, oh, what is going on? Why is my life getting messed up? Why is this changing? Well, God's pruning something out of us with an intention, a goal in mind, and that's what he said in John 15 is, he says, I am pruning you or I'll prune you so that you're going to bring forth fruit. It's a good thing to know that. All right. So we're fruit producing. We're productive in life under God. God begins to teach us some things. But then he realizes there's some parts of our life that are not producing fruit. I'm going to deal with that because my goal is more fruit. Right now, take that and look, let's look at a bigger scale here. And we see that what God does individually, he will also do on the bigger scale. What God does individually, he will do in the church world. And I'll just say that there are systems that are in the church world that have become corrupt or out of date. Or for some reason, they don't work anymore. They're not producing the fruit that God wants. There are methods and programs that may have one time, at one time been inspired, but they're not producing the fruit that God wants anymore. They're church models. What I mean by church models is actually, how do we do church? You know, uh, there, there's a way to, so to speak, do church. We, we have a building, and then we do this, and then you get that, and then you put this together, and you get... You see, they're, they're church models that aren't producing the fruit that God wants. And even some individual churches and ministries that I believe are not producing the fruit that God wants them to produce anymore. And one great example there was Ephesus. If you remember in Revelation, there was this great church. They had had a move of God and it, it, God comes and visits them. Jesus visits them, so to speak in um, the first part of the book of Revelation, and he says, guys, you got this right, you got this right, but if you don't get this part right, I'm going to remove your lampstand, which what he means is, what he's telling them, I'm going to remove what that church. I'm going to remove what was happening because there's no fruit that I want there anymore. You see, God is after fruit. I want you just to think about that a minute. Do you think God's getting the fruit out of the church that he wants to have, out of the system that he wants to have? Think about it. Think the way God thinks. Get your mind off of 
Oh, but it's always this way. Oh, but it's, is God getting what he wants? Is he accomplishing what he wants? Does he, is he getting hearts that are amazingly in love with him, committed to him, radical? Is that, is that what God is getting? I would say that God is not getting what he wants. I would say we're not producing the fruit that God desires, but the really, really good thing that I just want you to get this morning right now is, can you not see God is cutting away the old? God's cutting away what was. He's pruning that. And even though there's a time of stress, a time of confusion of what's going on, that's what happens when pruning happens. And God has a vision for what? Why is he pruning? Why is he cutting back? He's got a vision for more fruit. God is going to produce what God wants to have in his church. God has the full rights to step in however he wants to, to bring change whenever he wants to. Maybe we're like, but I feel comfortable in this kind of scenario, with this kind of setting. God doesn't care about what we feel comfortable about. God's wanting fruit. Amen. God wants to do something. And I'm excited about it because when God steps into our lives, steps into our churches and begins to do something fresh, it's amazing what we see. I've been in times and seasons in the past when God would do something fresh and you'd, you'd, it would be like an explosion of the spirit. And of power. It's exciting. I can remember people. I can remember church just, just being packed for, for like Wednesday night prayer meeting. Or, you know, you go, what? You know, that's unheard of. I'm telling you, when God begins to move, people want to be a part of it. There's God is so there. And I believe fully that's what we're going to begin to experience. I just have to mention this little example <clears throat> You know, you remember one time Jesus comes up to a fig tree and he said, and he, the fig tree is full of beautiful leaves. It's got beautiful leaves. And Jesus comes up to this fig tree expecting to have fruit. And I always use this as an example to say Jesus was not omniscient in the earth. He lived as a man. He didn't know that tree didn't have fruit because he lived as a man. He had to receive revelation from God, just like we do. He was an example for us. So, he goes to the fig tree that had all these beautiful leaves and expecting fruit and there's no fruit. What, is this, what does he do? He says, he curses the fig trees and says, may no one ever eat fruit of you again. They come back and Peter goes, the fig tree is dried up. Now, I'm not going to get into the rest of that story. I just want to point out this one thing. Jesus gave us a great illustration there. You see, he's not interested in beautiful leaves. And I feel like many times in America, we're interested in beautiful branches and beautiful leaves. He's like, all I'm concerned about is the fruit. The leaf, beautiful leaves, beautiful, that, that doesn't even impress God. God wants fruit. And God's getting ready to get some fruit because he... Step back and look. Can't you see it? He's pulled us out of the old. And he's going to bring us in to something new. And in that thing, there's going to be an amazing grace of God. And an amazing empowering and an experience with God. And all along the way, there's going to be that God with us. God with us bringing us to where he wants us to be. He's going to get us there. He's going to get us there. I want to encourage you, you know, don't look to yourself. Don't go, how can I make it happen? How can we make it happen? You don't have to make it happen. The biggest thing you do is you stay connected. You stay connected. God's going to make it happen. God's going to bring you into it. God's going to bring us into it. It will happen as long as we stay connected, as we stay obedient, as we stay willing, God will do it. Amen. It happens. If you look around and say, well, so-and-so this and so-and-so, stop doing that. Look this way. And people always complain. When things don't go right, what they do? They yelled at Moses. Oh, look at Moses. Look what he doing. Oh, look at it. 
Moses is like, who am I? Stop looking at me. Watch, put your eyes on God. Watch what, watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. Now, there's a great example in the New Testament of God bringing His whole church into something new. It really is a very powerful example. And we see it in Acts chapter 10. And uh, I, I want us to go through this today and look at it and see exactly how God brought the church into something new. Um, so I'm just going to read some verses here. And please pay attention. You know, the Word of God is living and active. It works on the inside of us. If you connect with the Word of God, God will speak to you through that Word. He'll even tell you things I'm not telling you. I mean, I, I, I've had many people come up to me after church all the years I've been ministering, and they'll say, man, when you're talking about this, and I got this and this and this out of that. It's just amazing like you're talking to me. And I was thinking, I didn't even say that. You know, because I, I know, I know some, get, you get more out of it if you just will just grab hold of this word. Amen. I'm just saying the word somehow has a, a way of speaking to us in many diverse ways. All right. Look at this story in Acts chapter 10. All right, let's start. Okay, so Peter, Peter's hungry. He goes up on the roof and... Um, they're fixing food, and while they're fixing food, he has a vision. It was a pretty intense vision. It wasn't a subtle something. I mean, he, he saw some very clearly. And um, so uh, it says he was hungry, wanted to eat. They made ready, and he fell into a trance. Okay, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and an object like a green sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and being let down into the earth. And it was all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, No, never, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke again and said, What God has made clean, you must not call common. This happened three times. So three times the sheet comes down. Three times has these unclean animals in it. You know, I don't know what's in there. Squirrels, uh, snakes. I don't know what all's in there. And Peter goes, Lord, no, I've never eaten anything unclean. What I call unclean, stop calling. Excuse me. What I call clean, you stop calling unclean. And then it goes up. It must not have registered with him. It happens again. And he says it again. Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. You got to stop calling unclean what I'm calling clean. And it says it happened a third time. Think about that, all right? Anyway, then, then Peter in verse 17 is wondering, what in the world was that vision I just had? What is that I just saw? What does that mean? Now, this is interesting to me. How many times God speaks to us and we don't know what he meant when he, with what he said? I've had many times God to give me a dream and I go, man, I know God gave me that dream. I just don't know what in the world it means. And I'll have to think about it. This is interesting. I, I've had dreams where sometimes I ask a God a question before I go to bed and I dream the answer. And I'm like, wow, God gave me the dream. It gave me the answer in a dream. But anyway, he got his answer pretty quickly. Sometimes I've had dreams and it's years later. I've had dreams where years later I would go, oh, I'm in my dream. Now I know what I was dreaming. Anyway, here he is while he's thinking about the dream or, or the, the trance, the experience he's just had. It says men show up at the door. And um, so they say, um, is, is Simon there whose surname is Peter? Anyway, um, they were asking for him. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said, Behold, three men are looking for you. Arise, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I've sent them. And uh, Peter went down to the men who'd been sent to him from Cornelius, which is the man who had the experience that we didn't we haven't gotten into this we won't today but this man had a insight from god an experience he's not even serving the lord and he had an experience with god um look when god starts to move it's amazing what's going to happen 
There are going to be unsaved people that begin to have experiences with God. And you're going to be the one God uses to bring them to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You just think if, if an angel, an angel come, came to this Cornelius and gave them this experience and said, um, there's a guy who'll tell you everything you need to know about how to get saved. <laughs> but Cornelius, he's going, I'm like, why didn't the angel tell him? Why didn't the angel just preach? You know, that's our job. It's our privilege. We're the ones that get to preach. God gave us that responsibility. If I were God, I'd have given it to angels. I think everybody listened to an angel and you show up. And if you don't listen, I think he ought to, you know, do something. You better listen. I would have done it that way. But God uses us. It is amazing. We've been the ones entrusted with the message of salvation. Anyway, Cornelius had this experience, sent these guys. They come. And then um, let's see down in verse 28. Peter goes with them. These are Gentiles. They're not Jews. And you've got to understand something. Jews did not mingle with Gentiles because they thought that would make them unclean, that God didn't want them to do that. Right. So they wouldn't mingle with Gentiles. And so here is Peter. And he took six other men with him. So seven guys are going. They go to Cornelius's home. And Cornelius has a bunch of other Gentiles there, too, that because he's so excited because the angel has spoken to him and he's got all these other people there. Man, I just love this setup. I mean, look, look at this thing being set up. And um, Peter's walking in and he's he and these other Jews going, oh, man, we're here with a bunch of Gentiles. I've never been in this situation. This is so uncomfortable and strange to us. Right. And he, he says. He said to them, he said to these Gentiles, now you guys know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. Isn't that something? <laughs> or, or of another ethnicity. But God has shown me that I shouldn't call any man common or unclean. And then, uh, and then so all that group is there, and I'm making the story short. You can read it later. It's in Acts 10. Then in verse 44, he does this. Well, he, he preaches to all of these Gentiles because they're, they're going, God said to get you that you tell us all about salvation. And I think it's so interesting. Peter hasn't told the men who've come with him yet about it. I think he's probably even wrestling. What would God want me to go to these Gentiles for? And then he's going, wow, they want me to tell them the message of salvation. This must be for them, too. I know that sounds like so strange, maybe, but that was their mindset. So he's like, what do you want me to do? He you would think he'd know automatically preach. He comes there. What do you want me to do? He hasn't even told the guys that invited him probably about Jesus yet. And he's going, wow. They want me to tell him about salvation. And it's sort of dawning on him. Wow. These are Gentiles. God says it's okay to be with them. And I'm supposed to preach the message of salvation to them. I did not even know it was for Gentiles. Did y'all know Peter didn't know that? The Jews didn't know that. They did not even know that. And this is years later. They did not even know that salvation was for the Gentiles too yet. And all of us here in this room that I... I don't think I know any Jews. We're all Gentiles. We're the result of what started that day. Do y'all see that? We're the result, the end result of Peter's experience that day. <laughs> oh, that's just, that's amazing. He's, he came into it like that. And he's going, wow, you want me to share that? So, so then he preaches. And then, and then look, while Peter was still speaking, preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on those that were listening. Wow. These guys, they're there. They're looking, they're looking for the word. They're expecting something. They have the right attitude to receive something from God. Cornelius has had this vision. He's told all of his family. He's told every friend, every servant that he could. He's got them there. They're all anticipating. They're listening like this. Peter's preaching. And it says, while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on him. And those of the circumcised, that means the six guys that were with him, 
were astonished. They're going, I can't believe this. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles because they heard him speaking with tongues. So here are these Jews. They're there like, wow, this is really something. So Peter preaches, the Holy Spirit comes in an amazing way. They see God working with these Gentiles. They've never seen something like this before. They are, and then they start speaking in tongues just like that in the service. Now, normally people were laid hands on. This was just like the day of Pentecost. And they're going, we haven't seen this in a long time. It's been years it's come like this. The last time we remember was the day of Pentecost. They were amazed that God did this with Gentiles. That's what it says. They were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on Gentiles. Now, I just want you to think about that. Now, I'll just shorten the story. I'll tell you the story rather than read this next part. But Peter goes back. He tells all the other guys. He tells all the Jews back home. Hey, guys. Um, we went and preached to the Gentiles and they're upset. What are you doing? They cannot get it. So Peter goes, hey, hey, let me tell you what happened. Wait a minute. This happened. He can't. He tells them the whole story that I just told you. And then the Holy Spirit fell and they're speaking in tongues. And so I looked at the guys and go, well, <clears throat> I guess God's in this. He's, he's, he told the guys, I guess God's in this. We ought to baptize them, I guess. I mean, if God filled them with the Holy Spirit, I guess, I guess it's okay to baptize them. I mean, think about the barriers that for you just seem crazy. Think about the barriers that Peter's having to go through. And then he goes back and nobody's for it. They're all against it. He has to tell them the whole story. He tells them about the Holy Spirit falling. He tells them about them speaking in tongues. And then all of the Jews go, well, I guess it's okay for Jews, for our Gentiles to believe. And that day, something was born. So, I want to just mention, I want to start right there and go as far as I can today. Hopefully I can finish what I want to share today. But I want us to look at a few things here about how God brings us in to new things because we look at this new thing that Peter got into and we're going to see how it developed hopefully today. But the amazing thing is God brought him into something that was so huge. He didn't even realize it, but it was a new thing. He, it was uncomfortable. He steps into it and look what's happened because of that years and years later. I mean, what's the majority of the church world? It's not Jewish, is it? There are many Jews who believe in Jesus, but it's Gentile all over the whole world. And look what it took. And I'll just tell you, there are things that are in front of us that right now we'd probably stumble and think, oh, oh no, not that. Oh, I can't get it. But God's like, I'll bring you there and I'll take you past your hangups if you're willing. Amen. So how do we get there? First of all, there's a vision. There's a vision. We'll just call that inspiration. There has to be inspiration somehow. Do you all remember Peter had that inspiration? God begins to give him uh, some kind of inspiration for his new direction. He gives them the vision and then he says, go with these men. Go with these men. See, he, he had to be led in some way. And I would just encourage every single one of you, if God has a way for you uh, to, to go, he will inspire you in that direction. Sometimes he will shut off the old. It will dry up. That helps you move on, doesn't it? Sometimes you'll shut that off. But in one way or the other, he is so able to get you to go forward. Your main key always is just to stay connected, to stay obedient and stay willing to change. Um, it doesn't have to come like it did with Peter. You might get an idea. It might be a dream. It's amazing how many men over the course of history have changed history because they had a dream. And, and they're like, wow. And then they actually acted on it, believing that it was what they're supposed to do. So we have to stay connected with God and we have to be willing to do what he's saying. You see, we have our pattern, but when God is getting, get pulling us out of the old and into the new, we have to pull out of the old, lest we just start growing leaves 
and stop producing fruit. We have to pull out of the old as God pulls us out, and we've got to be willing to go to the new and to not try to go build that old thing. You can go build something that God's not in. It can produce a lot of leaves. It can impress a lot of people, but it's in vain. God says, if the Lord doesn't build the house, the one who builds it builds in vain, right? So how do you get the Lord to do the work? You have to connect with God in what he's doing. Amen. When you connect with God with what he's doing, he does the work. We're nothing but servants. That's all we need to be is servants. We just we are lowly servants. Praise God for that. And that's how God uses us. Anyway, so here they are um, going forward. I don't know how I think. I was, <laughs> here they are going forward. They have vision. Peter's got vision and he goes, he takes his steps forward. So one thing we learn here, you know, you got to really, you've got to go into the new thing that God is bringing you into. You can't just, you can't just um, hear it. You have to, you have to think about it, consider it and look at the open doors that God is bringing you. Now, this is so important when God gives you a vision and a dream you might have to think about it is you might have to mold to figure out what is god but if it's god he is going to open up the doors at the right time your goal is to stay connected and willing and ready to go through the doors peter's here he gets this vision he gets a word god has already been at work bringing a door to him man this is an amazing illustration peter gets a word there's something new then there's a knock on the door i mean it happened pretty fast sometimes god will inspire you that door might not open right then but this time it's for an illustration for us god gives them the vision god opens the door and i want to guarantee you i guarantee you if you will stay connected with God, God will give you a vision for your life. He'll show you what to do at the right time. You'll be inspired to go in the right direction. And when it is time, the door will open for you. All you have to do is stay connected. Keep trusting. Don't give up. Don't let go of God. The door will always open. Not trusting, not believing God is going to come through causes people to do the most stupid things in life. They lose their fervency. They lose their zeal. They lose their prayer life. They lose their passion for God. They start doing things that are way beneath them and they get off on the wrong course doing the most dumb things because that's, somehow they got disconnected from God. They quit trusting, quit believing. And I would just say too, you're not always going to want to do what God tells you, not initially. How many of you have ever had God tell you something, tell you to do something and you didn't want to do it? That's happened to me before. God will tell you to do something. Uh, that can happen particularly with giving, right? That's a good example. Go give such and such money away. And your flesh will go, oh no, that, that is, must not be God. You know, and you start thinking, and God would never want us to do that. Oh, no, God would rather you be stingy. And he was not able to provide. He would not bless you for giving. No, of course, he's going to bless you for giving, right? And your flesh just doesn't want to do it. That's an example. But there can be so many other things where God can tell us to do something. We don't want to do it. Think about this. Moses, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to use you. Oh, no, God, not me. I don't want to do that. Think about that. I don't want to do that, God. Gideon, Gideon, hey, I'm going to use you in a great way. Oh, no, 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 God, I'm too small. You don't know who you're talking to. Do you not know how insignificant I am? Nobody respects me. I'm a little guy. I mean, and this and this and that. And Peter's here going, Lord, no, I never do that. Three times. God was working something in his heart. You know, if those men had come to him that day before he had the vision, and he'd heard the Holy Spirit say, go with these men. He'd have felt 
he'd have really felt conflicted in his conscience the whole time. I'm doing something wrong. I'm not doing, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I mean, God got him ready for that. But, um, you know, it is very possible that God speak to you and you not agree with what he wants. You know, another person that didn't agree with God was Jonah. Do y'all remember that? Jonah. Jonah's a prophet. God says, I want you to go and prophesy to these people. And Jonah's thinking, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to prophesy. And they're going to turn to God. And he's not, he, he's going to relent and, and not do. You, you see, do you know he said that later? I heard a minister say something recently. It was just like, the, you know, the light went off in me. And I'm going, wow, that's so true. You, you know, he had that anointing. It's happened before. Do y'all see what I'm saying? The thing with Jonah had happened before where Jonah had ministered. People repented. They gave the lives to the Lord. That was the anointing of God on his life. He was like the greatest evangelist of the Old Testament other than John the Baptist. But anyway, he went the wrong direction because he was in disagreement, wasn't he? Jonah went the wrong way. And guess what happened with Jonah's life? Y'all remember? He got in a bunch of trouble. Why did he get in trouble? Because God started to lead him one way and he didn't like what God was doing. So he decided he was going to go his own way. And when Jonah started to go his own way, trouble started to happening. Started happening, right? <laughs> God still loved him. He was still God's man. He was in a time, though, of not walking with God. And guess what? Trouble started happening. Bad things started happening. And uh, he's on this ship. This is the funniest thing. The guys are going, man, there's a terrible storm. And Jonah's like, I know why the storm is here. The storm is here because I'm on this ship. And they probably go, no, you're just crazy. You think it's all about you. He's going, I know I've been running from God. And I know what's happening is because I've been running from God. If you throw me over, overboard, this storm is going to calm down. The guys don't want to do it. But it gets so bad, they're like, they're like, okay, Lord, God, forgive us. Forgive us. <laughs> you know, if this is wrong, they throw them overboard and the seas calm. And guess what? They go, they believe in God, right? <laughs> but it's so funny to me. But that just shows us what happens, you know, sometimes when we don't want to do what God says. We, we think our way's better. Anyway, so God will inspire. Now, I think it's interesting that God had told all of his disciples years earlier in Matthew 28, we, it's recorded, where he tells his disciples, guys, I want you to go to all the nations, make disciples of all the nations. But they didn't get it. Here it is years later, and God tells Peter this three times, and he's still having trouble with it. He gets there, he still doesn't even tell them the gospel until they, they're like, tell us the way of salvation. I mean, he didn't get it. But it's interesting to me that God had told them that years earlier. You see, sometimes God plants thoughts and ideas in you and you don't even understand them. They'll come to fruition years later. You know that word, that thought you had? Here it is. Here's your opportunity. Are you ready to step into it? And it's also so interesting to me. I mean, think about how big this thing is. The Gentile world. Think of that. That's huge. It was a huge part of God's plan. God never m told the disciples explicitly about it. Do y'all remember after Jesus was resurrected? You remember that Jesus came back and it says he spoke to them in the flesh for 40 days? Tell me the truth. If you know what's getting ready to happen, would you not have spent some time explaining about the Gentiles? Hey, guys, I want you to tell you something. I know y'all been thinking like this a long time, but the Gentiles are going to be coming in, and I want y'all to do it like this. He doesn't even get into the plan. He doesn't tell them about the Gentiles in those 40 days. It's, it's just mind-blowing to me. He comes in that one day, he starts to deal with Peter, and he brings so quickly everything, everything that, he had, that he had planned. Anyway, I just want you to be encouraged, too, about these open doors, because if God's called you to something, God is going to open up the door for you at the right time. 
and there's nothing that can stop it. Nothing that can stop it. Um, Joseph. Y'all remember Joseph? God had spoken something to Joseph. You're going to be a leader. Of course, Joseph, when he, you know, this is another thing. When God speaks to us so many times, our flesh runs with what God said. Um, you know, you have to be a certain level of maturity to hear certain things because God can say something to you and you misunderstand it. That happens a lot in Scripture. God told Joseph, you're going to be a leader. And I believe Joseph had so much pride in that. But then what did God do? He took him for years. He began to have troubles. He, he, went, in, he went into slavery. He was taken to Egypt, went into slavery. Then he went into jail. He was down in that jail for years. But guess what happened? And one day, God opened up the door for what God had put in his heart years ago. I just want y'all to think about that, please. God's got a destiny for you. God's got something for you to do. If you don't give up, if you'll stay connected to God, if you'll keep holding on to God, the things, the dreams, the, the vision, God might have to de-weed it. He might need to get the flesh out of it, to get the pride out of it, the, the self-focus out of it. But if you don't let go, God is going to take you out of where you've been and he's going to bring you at the right time into the dreams that he's put in your heart. It is really an amazing thing. Third thing I just mentioned there is just something completely different than he would have thought. It definitely stretched him. When God calls you out into that thing, that thing that he's got for you, that thing he's got for us as a church family, you guys, I'm including all you guys there. Um, you know, when, when God is doing that, He's going to stretch you. It's not going to just be something that seems so easy. Fourthly, when he went, and this is so important, when he went, the presence of the Lord was there in a new measure. Now, when you're going on the, let's call it the bridge to the new thing, you get some confirmations. You're on the right bridge. You're on the right path. But you've got to stay there. Many times from going out of the old into the new, where it's a, it, there's a bridge. And that bridge is, we have to stay close to the Lord. We have to go, we'll start going there to go, nope. We, 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 so we have to, we, we readjust. We're staying close to the Lord. We're doing what we need to be doing every day. We're in prayer. And God's confirming. But when we get to the new thing, at the right time, there is a new level of grace and presence in that place. There's a new outpouring when we have lined up in that place that God wants us to be. Grace, one of the definitions of grace is God enabling us to do something we couldn't have done without it, without Him. Amen? So when we go to something where God is, God will definitely have a new grace for us there. So, Look at this. Peter preaches, and what happens? He sees this amazing move of God. Why? Because he's where God wants him to be. And I want you to think about this. Was Peter any different than he was the day before? Why did the anointing come on Peter? Now, we know sometimes we pray. We can pray, and the Holy Spirit be here in, amazing, in an amazing way. I can remember times when the church would go through things, and I can remember the charismatic movement. We'd come to service, and you'd feel like opposition that day. And you see, when God begins to move, you can almost feel the days when there's an opposition there. You think when the anointing is coming and you, everybody's just flowing in the Holy Spirit that it just is just like that? No, there's more opposition than ever. And the warfare prayer begins to increase. And I can remember those times when we would be in church and, and uh, prayer would just, you, there would be a, an intensity in prayer and boom, something would happen. And the whole atmosphere would change and everybody would be so open to God. I can remember services when, when maybe the preacher would be preaching and he'd just stop and say, there's something so uh, opposing what we're doing right now. Let's just take a moment. And he would press into the Lord. The church would press into God and you'd feel the power of God come into the room. So I'm just making that point to say prayer can bring power there. Uh, 
and we have to learn how to pray. We have to learn how to worship. We have to learn how to cater to the Lord. There's so many things that bring the presence of the Lord. But I want to mention this one thing here because it's so important. Look at this. Peter has not been praying since that time, since today. I don't think he's praying more than he was last week. He's still at his prayer life. He wasn't a different person than he was the week before or the day before. Why did the power of God fall in that amazing way? It wasn't because of Peter. It was because Peter was where God wanted him to be. He had lined up with a new thing. When you line up with a new thing, there's a new grace and there's a new glory. There's an an enabling to do things you could have never have done before. And you've got to trust God. You've got to be willing to step out of where you are not feeling, not knowing where you're going, trusting when you obey God, God's going to be there and God's going to take care of you. Peter had to be willing to go into a very strange environment. He's going into the Gentile world. He's never ministered to the Gentiles. He's never told one Gentile the plan of salvation about what Jesus has done. Here he is going into someplace new. He has to trust that God is going to help him. And when he steps out, and he steps into that, guess what happens? God meets him there, and the power of God is poured out. That is an example for us today. Many times your greatest opportunity is stepping out in pure obedience when you don't have things planned, you don't know what to do, you don't don't understand how God's going to do it, but you know that's what you ought to do. What do you have to do? You have to take a step, and you have to trust. If I take a step, I don't know what I'm doing, but I have to trust that God's grace is going to be enough for me. And it's those times when you step out that God loves that. Peter stepped out not knowing where he was going, not knowing what he's to be. He didn't even know what he, why he was going there. He just knew he was doing what God told him to do. And look how God showed up. Man, that is so powerful. Now, This story gets really interesting um, because God moved in that big way. You see all these people got saved. Peter comes back. He tells the other Jews, and it's like they go, oh, well, finally they go, well, okay, wow, God must be working with Gentiles. Okay, let's get back to what we're doing. And so they didn't even send anybody (laughs) back to Cornelius to help them. They just keep going back to their same rhythm. And it says a little later, I'll just tell you about this. In Acts 11, it says that um, it says men went, some of the guys, some of the Jewish guys went through Antioch. And it says um, they preached to the Gentiles there also, because it says up until this point, they had only preached to the Jews. Uh, Verse 19 says um, they had preached to no one but the Jews only. So even though. Peter had had that experience. They're going out. They're still just preaching to Jews. And it says these guys went to Antioch and it said they began to share with Gentiles. Now, I don't doubt that they're remembering Peter did it. God moved with Peter. It's probably okay. Yes, God told him sovereignly. I I can just imagine some of the Jews going, yes, but he was led to do that. You have to be led to speak to a Gentile. It's got to be a special. And he's going, but that already happened. I think God wants us to do it now. So they step out and it says they preach to Gentiles also in Acts 11 in Antioch. And it says the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed. Wow. And you've got to understand how shocking this must have been. Gentiles had not believed in God for centuries and centuries and centuries. Peter had that thing happen. They still don't even get it. Then, then these other guys are there and they go, hey, let's tell the Gentiles. They start believing God's doing something. And they're going, wow. It says a great number believed and turned to the Lord. These are people that knew nothing about God. I mean, I have led a few people to the Lord that were not from a Christian background. Most people are in America at least know something about it. But when you lead somebody to the Lord that is from a completely different background, like a Muslim or something like that or whatever, just a completely different background, I mean, 
it's amazing because you go, wow. It's so obvious how God did a miracle, how God opened their eyes, and how there's faith there. It's, it's really mind-boggling, right? And that's what happened in a massive way. In a massive way. And then, um, um, you know, it says in a couple of verse later, verses later, it says, and a great many people were added. So not only were many people initially brought in, more and more people just kept coming. And it, and it uses the word a great many. First of all, it says a great number believed. And then it says a great many added to the Lord. It wasn't just a small thing God was doing. Why is this happening? Because they have stepped into something that God is doing, that God wants to bless, that God wants to, to begin to use. It's the new thing. Peter was in it, but they didn't grow in it. Now they're, now they're starting to do it and they're seeing it and something begins to happen here. Barnabas, if y'all probably heard about Barnabas, Barnabas comes there. Barnabas starts working with this church and uh, he's going, wait a second, we got to get somebody here to teach these people. Man, they don't know a thing. You know, they know nothing. There's just, I mean, whoa, I don't even know where to start. And then he's going, Paul. Let's get Paul here, right? So what does he do? He goes and uh, they, they go and get Paul, bring Paul. Paul comes and Paul starts teaching him. He teaches him for a year. Now, I want you just to think about this. At the first, there's not a whole lot of planning. They're just stumbling into a move of God. God's doing it. They're just stewarding what God did. They didn't plan the move of God. Do y'all see what I'm saying? God moved, and then they begin to steward the move of God, and they begin to think through things and plan then. Okay, let's get Paul. Let's do this. They were, as the need was arising, they began to put things together, which is so interesting. And another interesting thing about this is, up until this time, Paul has never done miracles. Paul wasn't a miracle worker. He wasn't a missionary yet. Uh, he hasn't been, he's been called. Y'all remember, Paul had this light shine, and he says, I'm going to call you to do something. But it hasn't happened yet. He's just been serving. He's been learning. And then they bring him here to teach because he's amazingly gifted. Barnabas is like, he knows a lot more than I do. And Peter was definitely going, yes, he knows a lot more than I do. In fact, Peter wrote later, says, a lot of those things Paul writes, they're really hard for me to understand. That's what Peter said. But anyway, they get Paul there because he's gifted. And Paul is training these people. And while Paul is training these people, Paul is getting trained. Do you see what I'm saying? When you enter into what God's doing, there's this thing that happens where everybody's growing. Paul is getting trained because he's working with Gentiles for a whole year, teaching and training them with other leaders there. He's getting trained. He's learning them. He's hearing their questions. He's seeing what, need, what they need. He's learning things that he's going to take with him for the rest of his life in this initial stage of them developing something new that God's bringing into the earth. Are y'all with me? I mean, what a, what a great, great example this whole story is. And, uh, you know, if you read the story here, um, he was there a year. And then after he's there a year, they send him out. They send him out. They pray for him. Uh, this group of people send him out. They're prophesying. They're praying. They're fasting. They've been trained in the word. Now, I think it is just a phenomenal thing. But in this short period of time, in a year, he has raised up, he and those other with, others with him have raised up a church. They have gone from nothing to knowing the Word of God, to understanding how to use it, to praying and fasting. And they are laying hands on, they're part of the ones laying hands on Paul, sending him to where he's going to go, hearing God with the others and walking in that. That's just amazing to me. You know, when I was reading that, I was thinking, how many people have gone through life and they thought, man, I really missed it. Look how everybody else is, always, is ahead of me. Look how, how much time I've lost. Uh, you know, I don't think I could ever do that. You know, uh, some people who are old, you know, oh, I'm too old. Look what God did in one year. In one year, he trained these people and brought them to where they needed to be. That is an amazing thing to me. 
God did that in a year. What can God do in a year? Amen? When God starts moving. You know, another thing too, he, he met with them for a, for a year. It wasn't just for our Sunday morning. It was most likely most days they were meeting, learning about the Word of God. And it was the majority. It says, using the word a great many, he taught a great many. It wasn't just pastors getting taught in Paul's school. It was everybody because everybody's going to learn to minister. And I just want to ask you guys, don't you want to know the word of God? I mean, it's exciting. Don't you want to know the things of the spirit? Do you know you have to get trained in the things of the spirit? Just like you have to get trained in the word. You have to understand the word to walk in it. You've got to get trained a little bit in the things of the spirit to begin to flow and operate in the things of the Spirit, how to hear God, how to uh, flow in the gifts of the Spirit, which are amazingly fun and wonderful. I love to see God move through the gifts of the Spirit. But anyway, it's just, it's just a wonderful thing that, that happened here. And I just wanted to highlight this today because I feel like God's bringing us into a new thing. God's bringing individuals out of the old into new things. And he's going to lead you from where you've been to where he wants you to be. And you have to trust him that he's going to be able to take you from where you are now to where you're going. I want to encourage every single one of you to get reconnected back to God if you're not there and begin to trust God to be with you, to help you and to line you up. Get lined up now. I've shared this example before, but there's a big wave coming. And if you're a surfer and you see a wave, you don't wait until the wave comes and hits. You get out there and you get ready because you know waves come every once in a while. I'm going to have to be out there if I want to ride it. If you want to get into what God has called you to do, to be where God's called you to be, and to have a new grace for your life and for your assignment and what you've been called to do, you need to get out there in the water. You need to be looking. You need to be expecting God to speak to you. It might be days, weeks, months, might be years, but the whole way, wherever you are from right now to where you're going, there's going to be a path of confirmation where God's speaking, where God's confirming. You know you're on the right path. You know you're doing the right things. Sometimes it takes a while. It took Joseph you know, 13 years. It took David like 13 years to go through that process of walking through things, walking through life. Sometimes it's like Peter. You get it one day, you know, and boom, it's happening the next day. All I'm just saying is God's getting ready to do something new now. There's something new happening now in the church. There's something new happening now, and it's going to be glorious. Remember, God always has new fruit in mind when he cuts away the old and he's bringing something new. Some people have been upset at what's happening in the church world. Oh, 50% of the people that used to go to church don't go to church anymore. Oh, I understand that. But let me just tell you what's happening. The part is getting cut off. I'm not saying God's cutting people off. I'm just saying what's dead is getting removed and that what which was with it. And God's going to do something new. And there's going to be power in the house. There's going to be glory in the house. God loves for his glory to be among his people. You remember even in the New Testament, it says sinners would come where the people would meet and they'd fall on their faces going, God is with you. God is with you. They could even feel that God is real. Man, I'm looking forward to this. I love glory. I love God coming on people. I love seeing the Spirit of God fall on people. Could you imagine what Peter felt like when he saw the Spirit of God fall on people? And he's going, wow, this is amazing. They hardly know anything. They've not even been serving God. And here they are, full of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. He was excited. Let me just say, this is the hour when God's getting ready to do some things that will shock people. Some people will be upset. Some people see God move and they'll just go, oh, that's not God. Oh, you know, it's an amazing thing. God can do an amazing thing. And they'll try to find some scriptures or something that they can twist like the Pharisees did to use against what God's doing. That nobody's going to be able to stop what God's getting ready to do. And it might look like we're all confused. We don't know what's happening. We don't know where we're going. God's just smiling because he's got it all planned out. God is a planner. He is a strategist. 
He knows how to make everything work out. He's got everything lined up. He's got Cornelius. He's got the sinners. He's already working on their hearts. He's got people, strategic people all over the place getting ready right now to respond to what he's getting ready to do. It's going to be amazing. You're going to see it pop up all over America. It's going to be great. And you can be a part of it. You can be a part of it. Now, I'm not sure what we should do here, whether we want to close or what, but uh, I just want to pray right here. And um, I want to pray. Guys, could, could we just stand right here? I just want to pray for you. I'm, I'm focused here, but I'm just, I want to connect with you guys online too. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this new, new day, for this new day. God, in Jesus' name, I pray for a new grace, a new ability, a new power, Lord, to pop out of the old. Ma'am, this is just coming to my heart. I, be, I just feel that so much for you that God wants to just bring you into something new and into some new things, uh, new breakthroughs, new joy, uh, new like uh, life. And he, I feel like he wants to emphasize that to you. He does want to pop you out of that old thing where you've been. And he does want to bring, this has been, God, has been God speaking to you. He wants to bring you into a great time of fruitfulness and of joy and of blessing. And uh, that, that which you feel and just feels like it's been resisting you. In the name of Jesus, I break the enemy's assignment off of your life. I break the lies of the devil off of your mind. Every word that's come to you to try to bring you down and try to hold you down. In the name of Jesus, I break it off of you right now. And I command every one of these powers to be gone now in Jesus' name. I speak freedom over your life. Satan, I command you off of this woman's life right now. In Jesus' name. I declare freedom, freedom, freedom right now. Lord, I declare right now vision. Where the vision's been lost, there's going to be new vision. There's going to be new hope. Uh, where there's been darkness and just despair and just discouragement, there's nothing but lies. Lord, I just thank you from today. All things are coming new. All things are coming new today in Jesus' name. Praise God. Give God a praise right here for what he's doing in our sister's life. In Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you, God, for breakthroughs. Lord, so many here need a breakthrough. Lord, so many are in a place of stress where in front there's like a stress, difficulty, uh, hard to go forward, hard to go forward. Lord, I just pray for the, for, first of all, for an amazing encouragement. The Word of God to rise up in each one here that says, don't give up. Keep going forward. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Lord, I pray for an amazing faith, just like you spoke today. Faith connects you to the, to the God of the impossible, the God that will do all things. Faith connects you to that. The devil's been trying to bring discouragement and hopelessness to you to disconnect you to, from that. God just says to you today, believe in me. Believe in me. I'm the God that will do mighty things. I will do amazing things, and I'll bring you to that place of blessing I have called you to be in and what I've called you to walk in. Are you not my child? Will I not bless you? Will I not bring you into good things? And have I not said I'll give my children good things? God's going to bring you into it if you just stretch your hand out to him. Just as a symbol, would you, would you lift up a hand toward God? Just as a symbol before him. God, in the name of Jesus, I just want you to just say, God, grab my hand. Grab my hand, oh God. Grab my hand. Lift up your hand like you want God to grab it. Grab my hand, O oh God, and pull me. Pull me forward. Pull me out of the old. Pull me out of where I've been. Lord, I need your help. Just ask him. Just tell him this. Lord, I need your help. But God, pull me out of the old. Pull me out of the old. And pull me into the new. Pull me into what you've got for me. Pull me into it. I believe, O oh God. I believe. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you today. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I declare breakthrough over everyone. I thank you that everyone that's prayed that prayer, Lord, you've heard. You're grabbing their hand right now. You're pulling them out of what's been holding them back, and you're bringing them into a new place of prosperity and blessing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, I just feel uh, such a uh, breakthrough presence. Breakthrough presence. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of breakthrough. Spirit of breakthrough. I want you just to pray this prayer. Uh, would you lift your hands to the Lord again? Just, just put your eyes on Him. Because we want God to pour something out on you right now. 
Just ask God to say, Father, in Jesus' name, pour your spirit out on me. Pour the spirit of breakthrough out on me. I commit my life to you. I commit my way to you. Break every demonic thing off of my life, off of my future, off of where I'm going. Clear the path in front of me and now pull me into that. I declare God is enough. And I declare the plans of the devil are broken off of my life today and they shall not prosper. I shall fulfill the purpose of God for my life and I shall be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.